0: Um, so, about Someone, um, we about um, what's going from psych medication, and the So, um, do you want to say anything else about? That?
1: Yeah, Lisa, can you hear me just fine?
0: I can hear you. Okay, can you hear me?
1: Okay. Yeah, you were a little soft, but there you go. I I think it'll get better. So um, yeah. So I think I was talking about, I had educated myself through the groups um, of how to, how to go about the taper. And I mentioned the Ashton manual was very helpful for me. Um, But what I chose to do is I chose not to talk to my doctor about my tapers because I had seen people within the groups that had been either rapid tapered or cold turkeyed and their doctor's you know, didn't provide them with any help. There is no help for that. I mean, it's just you're. It's like being flocks. You know, there's just nothing you can do um, when you get thrown into that um, that kind of reaction. So I was kind of terrified of one day walking in and having him tell me I couldn't have this or that anymore. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this behind the scenes. I'm taking it in my own hands, and I'm just going to get this done. And I, I didn't have a great grand mission to like get off of everything but I did wake up one day and go you know what Dawn you are just too zombied I looked in the mirror and I go you look like a zombie like and I was beginning to have rapid um different rapid motions that were uncontrollable um where I would have to lie down on the bed and it would happen every night and I would have to lie down on the bed and do like bicycles with my legs and up in the air and it was not for exercise it was because my body had to do these weird motions and my husband would come in and just look at me like oh no like oh, oh now what you know and I, I had tapping and pacing and um you know nothing really I didn't have the pain um or the akathisia that I hear akathisia um that people talk about but I think I was really close I think I was bordering that Um, there were some times where it felt like I was a little bit like, um, straight jacket, like, like this weird, uncomfortable movement in my body. Like, yeah. So, um, I really decided that I needed to taper and I needed to get off, off of at least the one that I thought was, you know, creating the worst symptoms. And so I, I tapered, uh, Latuda right off the bat. First thing I got rid of. Um, and I did that rather quickly. I actually, um, did that one much faster than the others, um. And I, and I had a fine, um, a fine response to that. I actually felt better, like a little bit more light peeked in and I started to feel better and I was like, wow. And so again, I do want to say that I think, um, you know, it had been enough time within from my that that I was starting to heal a little bit from that. And perhaps again, maybe these medications slowed it down or distracted me enough from it. Um, but it was a journey to taper. I mean, it was a commitment, you know, and it's, it's tedious because I was working with a dry scale or, you know, a a scale where I was having to weigh out my pills and I would do my weekly cuts and set up my little week for what I needed to take. Um, But as I went throughout my taper of all of the medications, I continued to feel better. And I exercised and ate clean. I went at one point I went strict keto and I think that that helped. Um, it's only, you know, only in the last two months that I've incorporated um, green tea or any kind of stimulant like that back into my life and I'm okay with it now, but I stayed clear of sugar, grains, um, even sugars in the form of fruit at, at one period of it. Um, but exercise for me, um, because I didn't have, I guess, the tendon stuff that a lot of people have um, I had gotten so much strength through exercise in my past that I really tapped into that and just relied on it, even though it didn't feel like it did before I was never fluxed, I still used it. And it was like, the only way I could describe it is we don't feel like, so, so even when I was like listening to guided meditations for calming, um, often it felt like it was in the background and like it wasn't really doing anything, but what I think now, looking back, is that that was me taking some kind of action for myself and showing up for myself, and I do think it had an impact, even though at the time, it really felt like there was a disconnect, and I wasn't getting it, and, this is, and, it, and all of the trauma and all of the crazy stuff in my head was still going on while it was going on in the background. Perhaps now it was maybe balancing out it out a little bit. I don't know. I mean, because I talk to people and they say it doesn't help. It doesn't help to do that. And I and I kind of know what they're talking about. But the way I see it now is it's still our best self showing up for ourselves, doing something in a positive way that's setting the motion for that. And maybe there's something to that.
0: You know, um, I think there is. I mean, mm-hmm. and I think that that's really powerful. You know, that that it may not feel like it's making a difference at the time. It may not feel like you're making Uh any progress. But Uh at one point, you'll look back at it in retrospect and go, you know what? That was self-care. That was showing myself Uh and like some little tiny bit Uh of your being that you're Uh worth it. And that Uh you had faith and that you had hope and that Uh you... And that you knew that you would get through this, or at least like you Uh had hope that you would get through this. Yeah, and that you were going to give, and and that you were going to give yourself these tools that that you needed, and just you were going to try. I think hope is very powerful. I think that trying is very powerful. I think that faith can be very powerful. You know, and it may not feel powerful at the time and like, it's okay for it to not feel powerful at the time, but it's really nice to hear that, that it felt powerful looking back on it, looking back for sure. sure.
1: Well, especially now, because I, this whole um, storm has spit me out better. I'm so it's been a, so that has moved me into much more of a spiritual, a whole spiritual aspect to this. Um. Because when when what I found is that when I had to hunker down and just endure what was going on, I began to respond differently to what was going on instead of react in such a traumatic way. Um, I think because it had gone on for so long. So what I noticed was that if I could become the witness to those thoughts and know, and in a part of me, know, know that it was not the truth that I was supposed to commit suicide or, you know, (laughs) do other things to family members or animals, you know, Um, I knew that wasn't the truth of who I was. And I had gained enough knowledge around that in knowing that it was the medication that was truly doing a number on my brain I don't know. I just began to not respond the same. And, and I think that so often before that I had fed it with fear. So when I had those crazy thoughts that seemed so, um, like unbelievable, right? I would freak out because I couldn't believe it or didn't want to believe it was true. And, and so I do think now there is something about acceptance, right? Accepting And trying your best to find that quiet space of witnessing. And once you've endured so much, you know that the body can endure a lot, right? And so I kind of just told myself, okay, your mission, girl, is to stay alive and be with it. And, you know, luckily it was coming at me slower (laughs) so I could do that. Um, yeah, it was coming at me slower, so it was getting easier to do that, but I would go on runs with them. You know, I would have suicidal ideation. I would be like, Hey girl, you're going on a run. Let's do this. And I would just go and I had to travel. I mean, I chose to travel across country with it, you know, like, okay, I'm going to go to this convention because I have, I'm doing this for myself. And I, and so I was bringing both aspects. Okay. I'm going to do this thing that is great. And it's a fun thing that I'm involved in but I'm also while I'm enduring this other stuff alongside me, you know, and yeah, so it definitely takes a while, you know? Um, so I, I, anyway, backing up to, I got off all the medications. I was clearly feeling better. It was still, you know, I was still having some of that crazy thoughts and anxiety and <clears throat> excuse me. My, um, my sleep was still a, a mess. Um, you know, four hours solid was a miracle, you know? Um, and, you know, so very, very broken, um, but four hours felt like, okay, I can live, you know, this is okay. I can, that's a relief. Um, and then at six weeks off of, um, the benzodiazepine, cause that was the last, ta- um, medication that I tapered. I went to a homeopathic doctor and he gave me rattlesnake venom. For something that he detected in my body and but because I had felt better all through my taper and up until six weeks I thought I was clear from withdrawal well what happened was it threw me into severe benzodiazepine withdrawal and it was like oh no I can't believe I made an error again you know and it was like I went down this whole road that was so similar to what I had been enduring before, you know, but it never got as, it never got as nasty and to the, to the 10th degree, like, um, foxing, you know? So I was like, okay, girl, you've done this before, you're going to do it. You're going to get, you know, and I just coached myself. And by then I had learned how to coach myself and how to, you know, witness and step back and hunker down. And luckily I had the support of my husband to be able to do that, you know,
0: he He was, by this yes. time, Don, what's, what's mm-hmm. our timeline now? Are we talking about two years out, right? Yeah, yep, okay. a
1: little more than two years out. A little more than two years out from my floxing exactly, that that, that, that happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, so then, um, so then from that point, it just gradually, um, um, gradually got better. But it's taken a long time, you know, it's taken a really long time. So it'll be coming up in, I think I'm right at... 18 months or so off of, um, off of everything, off of all the medications, um, off of the benzodiazepine. And then it was about six months ago that I was on Facebook and, um, a woman's story flashed in front of me about breast implant illness. And right when I read it, my instincts knew that that was part of my equation and that now I needed to go and, you know, look at that hopefully I was hoping that it was the last bit of my equation to, um, this, you know, pharmaceutical storm. Um, and so I chose to, um, and th- and this was a process, quite a process because it sent me into major fear. You know, there's no easy protocol to removing your breast implants. You know, um, you can't just decide you want them out and get them. You have to go under the knife and get put out and trust the pharmaceutical, um, industry again, you know? And so I had to face pretty much my biggest fear, um, about that, but I trusted, I, because I knew there was something within myself that knew that that was part of my equation and that they needed to come out. And right when I got hit with the fluoroquinolone, I was at, um, 10 year mark of having, um, um, sailing, breast um, implants in. So right when I got, um, right when I got the pneumonia and took the, um, two tabs of levofloxacin, I was at the 10 year mark and I just got them, um, explanted four months ago. It might even be four months to the day. It's four, it'll be four months, um, on the 29th, um, that I explanted my breasts, um, the saline implants and, um, within one week, my, the re- the residual of my suicidal, homicidal ideation cleared up instantly. Completely gone. Have not had another one since. Um, I had a week after the anesthesia where I was real foggy and it was funky, but I could tell that it was from the anesthesia. Um, and I told them, I do not want a fluoroquinolone. There's no way I can have a fluoroquinolone. I don't even want antibiotic in my um, in my IV if I don't have to. And I had a very cooperative um, surgeon that went along with my wishes and I didn't even have an antibiotic for my surgery. And I did not take any pain pills. I, pain pills, pain killers. I had a, um, a, a pain block, um, they call it experil, experil I think. And, and, and so that was a shot that they gave me um, to numb the area. And I never took a pain pill um, after that. But yeah, so a week after, um, removing my breast implants, the remaining of the symptoms that I had been still witnessing, I don't want to use the word enduring because it wasn't that horrific anymore for me. Um, but I was definitely witnessing these thoughts that were not my own, um, brain fog still massively. Um, and that's all cleared up. So, um, those, those, uh. The saline, so I chose saline back in the day because it was supposed to be the safest, but what it is is the casing is all um, silicone, and that begins to break down in your system, and then so your body's fighting off these toxins, and then maybe, perhaps, those of us that have certain gene mutations that can't um, detox, as well as maybe some people are affected more. I mean, I'm kind of guessing, but... Perhaps that's why. But I know that the breast implants, I really feel strongly that the, that they played a part in the whole hit, the whole hit from the fluoroquinolone.
0: Oh, yeah, um, I mean, having having something inside of your body, you know, if you have you ever listened to any of the stories of people, of the woman who have had um, the Esher implant?
1: I have,
0: yes. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, like, a lot of them also have these horrible, horrible... Um, autoimmune type reactions and their reactions are often very similar to those of people who are flocked or people who are going through breast implant illness you know all of these illnesses have more in common than they don't but it seems to be that when people have a bad reaction to something implanted in them you know it's a full-on full-body autoimmune type of reaction it's not it's not just like a you know scratch and itch type of reaction like this is it's a severe illness
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And looking back, you know, perhaps I would have been able to clear the pneumonia or whatever I had at that time that I took the fluoroquinolone for if those things hadn't have been sitting on my chest. You know, that's another thought. Right. So anyhow, I'm I feel really happy and free to have them out. um, And I've come out stronger. I feel like you know, um, I, I tend to look at things very deeply, um, and I, I think that we kind of choose our, our path and we create our own reality, meaning I may have called this storm in, you know, to get me to where I am today, because I do feel like now I'm on my life's purpose, um, and that has been, that has come true for me after learning to be that witness, learning to, to find that place inside of me um, that is of what I feel is our true power. Um. So, I know that's probably deeper than than some might like to go um but for me it spit me out in a better place yeah.
0: and I'm I mean, and I, I'm, gra- I like and I'm
1: grateful for it. I mean, yeah. I don't wish it upon anybody, that's not what I'm saying and I don't really want to have to go through it again, but um I don't think I wouldn't know what I know today if I hadn't and I can be so much better of a friend or and support I didn't know suffering before you know I I had created my own dramas in my relationships or in whatever but I never knew suffering and so I can relate to people deeply and I can sit with somebody who's in a storm and be able to still see them for who they really are rather than you
0: know what they're going through so yeah absolutely um, and that's powerful you know, learning this empathy and mm-hmm. um, learning a bit about yourself, and mm-hmm. um, becoming a more spiritual person, becoming a more connected person—like all of yes. these matter. Yes. Just becoming the person who you are today. You yes. wouldn't be the person who you are today without this experience. And no, you know, I'm not trying to downplay it, and I'm not trying to say that like you know anyone should do this. I've I, I <laughs> No one will misinterpret my words and in, no. into thinking that I'm I'm recommending that people do this for a spiritual journey. It's not what no. I'm trying to say at all. But whenever you go through some sort of a hardship, when you get pushed to your limits and when you get tested, you know, you can come out stronger and better on the other side. And um, I'm, I'm glad that that was the case for you. You yeah. know, what other types of things did you do to get through this? Like, are there diet or supplement things that you did or or any sort of um, exercises, any what what types okay. of
1: things? Um, well, would you I, I'm gonna I'm going to reiterate that I really feel like for me it's it was a time tincture because um, I did not in the very beginning I was scrambling trying to get all those vitamins and supplements and things that were on the list within that fluoroquinolone guide <laughs> can't remember the name of the book but you know what I'm talking about yeah. Um, And, and again, I was down in Baja in a very remote place. And so I was having my sister fly things down to me. And it was, it was a mess here. Me thinking that these supplements were going to actually save my life. And no, I don't think they did. Um, I really don't think they did. I do think cutting out, you know, all the chemicals in my food, you know, the GMO, you know, I, I think eating clean helped. And I, and I. I didn't go vegetarian, but I ate a lot of vegetables, a lot of vegetables. Um, and then, I don't know, pushing through, just pushing through, be staying clean for sure. Clean, clean water, clean, whatever I put in my body, you know, was clean. I, I had been using essential oils before this happened. And there was a whole year where I could not even have the cap off of them I was so sensitive so I are you there yeah I'm still here okay sorry um so um for me it was like it was almost like I had to isolate like I isolated from anywhere there I could smell gas a mile away like I was so sensitive um so I tried to just stay kind of protected in my own environment um And that probably had more to do with my, my nervous system, but, um, I can't say there's any one thing other than staying away from toxins. Um, I didn't return to taking vitamins regularly until maybe six months ago. Um, so I, in the beginning was scrambling to try to get all the right supplements. And then what I was reading in the, um, in all the psych med groups was that, our bodies can only absorb so much and just wait until you get off and see where you're at. And that's kind of what I did. And it's only now that I'm feeling like I want to go in and have, you know, some kind of test done to find out what I'm deficient in, because I do feel like there's a bit of achiness in my hips and that I might be low on, um, calcium or magnesium or something. Cause I feel an achiness that I, that's fairly recent for me. Um, but I didn't go and do a bunch of tests and try to figure it out. I just was more about hunkered down and riding it out. But then my, my, um, worst, um, you know, symptoms or whatever were um, in the mental, the mental, (laughs) in the brain more so than the, more so than the, although I had the insomnia and that sort of, I mean, I guess that's brain too, but, um, I didn't have the physical, the lasting physical, um, symptoms that so many people have.
0: Right. But your psychiatric journey was much more severe than a lot of people's. Um, yeah. and, and and I think that you know having this story out there. Um, and and thank you so much for being so honest and upfront with with your um psychiatric issues that were brought on by these drugs. Mm-hmm. And um, and also possible and brought on by the breast implants. So I think that um, mm-hmm. a lot of people are really silent about the, these things because of shame, and um, they're afraid that they'll be judged if they admit that they've had that they're having you know homicidal ideations. Like that's that's really serious, you know. Um, and and I really commend you for just being so upfront and honest about this. And you know, of course, you realized like that that wasn't you. You know, you're not a homicidal maniac but like to no. have those thoughts is really disturbing. And you know, my, my reaction was not near as, um, it wasn't as severe. And I, I went through the psychiatric things pretty quickly, but yeah, some of the thoughts I had, I was like, what, like, what is that? You know, just thinking yeah. awful, awful things about yeah. people who are either innocent or, or some of my most loved people. And, um, and, and it's a really bizarre symptom and it's something that, like I said, people feel a lot of shame about. And so um, hopefully in listening to this podcast, people will feel more open about it and they can um, share their story and that they're not alone yeah, in having totally. those feelings and those thoughts. For sure. For sure. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I, I try to respond to people that reach out to me about this because um, I know there were a few people... Um, that made profound impact in, you know, what I held on to. And, and so if I can be of help to anybody, you know, for that, I want to be, and ultimately it's going to come down to the person learning how to navigate their storm because it is all different for everybody. Um, So what worked for me isn't going to work for somebody else, you know? Um, I mean, that's just the truth Um, with the fluoroquinolones and the benzodiazepines. I mean, it's equally as messed up. Um, and there's no help. That's the thing that gets me. I think the most upset is that the doctors, you know, look at you like, like you're the only one. They've never seen it before and they don't know what to do. There's no help out there. I don't know. Right. That's that's the thing that I just it blows my mind.
0: <laughs> right. we, we all we all have to navigate it ourselves, and it also mm-hmm. just blows my mind that there aren't more doctors out there that are following the Ashton Manual. You know, I mean, right, it's right. obvious that the Ashton Manual was very well studied, and that people yeah. respond well to it, and that they don't respond yeah. well to being pulled, ripped put, off. You know, ripped off of these drugs cold turkey, and um, and, and that it's very dangerous to rip people off of. Psych medications and especially benzodiazepines, just cold turkey. People could have seizures. People could die from going off of these drugs too fast. And, um, you know, and just, you know, for those who are listening who aren't, um, who haven't taken benzodiazepines, you know, fluoroquinolone toxicity really resembles benzo withdrawal. So, you know, kind of, it's very similar in a lot of ways. Just, you, you quit taking the you know, benzodiazepines right away. It's just like being flocks and kind of vice versa. I know. I so, know. um yeah, doctors just don't have any idea what to do. And it's really a shame. It totally is. But, um, you know, Dawn, um, I think we should probably wrap up pretty soon. But do you have any sort of closing thoughts that you'd like to say or any sort of advice or words of wisdom that you'd like to leave as closing
1: Well, you know, I do want to say that there were a couple people within the fluoroquinolone toxicity group that I found that helped me. Um, They listened to me on the phone. They helped me through the hardest times. And we're still friends today. And I think that's pretty neat, you know. Um, And so I would love to know that you know, by me responding to somebody in that state and offering just even an ear for a moment or, you know, a quick sharing that that may help them as some of those people have helped me, um, because it'll stick with me forever. And, um, you know, I, I feel like now it's kind of like my turn to give back if I can. And, you know, so Yeah. I want to say that. And then, you know, just always, always look for hope because we need it. You know, it's like, I remember somebody telling me like, if you don't have hope, then there's not much left kind of thing. So like, never give up, never give up. There's always hope that your circumstances are going to improve and that you're going to get well, you know? Yeah. Um, And I feel like I'm, I'm walking that now. Like I, I say that I'm 99.5% healed, and the only reason why I'm not saying 100% is because I still wake up every night. You know, I wake up every night for an hour in the middle of the night, and I want that to resume back to my nine hours solid, and that may be that I'm smack in the middle of menopause right now, so, (laughs) Um, but I I say that I'm, you know, close to 100% healed, and and even better than before I went in stronger in so many ways. Um, When you come that close to death um, or you look at it that seriously, a lot of your fears that were getting in your way or getting in my way of life before have just dissipated. Like they're just no longer exist. So I'm not fighting some of the same battles that I had fought before I I got floxed. (laughs) So that's the blessing.
0: Yeah yeah absolutely. well, congratulations on everything you. that you um have accomplished and and how far you've come and the recovery you've made and And congratulations for being so honest and upfront and for reaching out to people and being so generous with your time um as well. so thank you so much, Don. I really appreciate you being on the podcast and um for sharing your journey with people yeah. and um thank you lisa thank and and you I'll be for doing oh, what you do. Yeah. Oh, of, of course, it's my pleasure. And I'll be putting this up on online shortly. And um, maybe if people comment on it on floxy hope. Um, I'll forward the comments to you and make sure that you see them.
1: I could have never imagined that I would have been a success story on floxy hope.
0: <laughs> well, you made it girl, you know, I did. for years, but you yeah, did it. You did. did it. Thank so, that's you so awesome. much for
1: everything you do, Lisa. Thank you.
0: Uh, My pleasure. Congratulations, Don.
1: Thank you. Okay. Bye bye.